Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, so that we could encounter him, so that we could know him, so that we would not live life without him, so that we could experience eternal life. That's a truth for every single individual in this room, online, wherever it is that you're watching from today, that truth is so for you. How good is that? That's the God that we serve. And if you don't know that, we're going to tell you a little bit more about it. We're in a series right now, which is all about communicating the gospel. A series called Bless. We're going to find out a little bit more about it later on. But right now, I'd encourage you to take your seats wherever you're watching from. It's so good to have so many of you here in the room and to have people watching online. We love having the opportunity to do this as things begin to look a little bit more like normal, whatever that is. We've still got masks on if you're in the room. You're free. Your face is free like mine if you're watching from home. Hey, we're going to take up an offering right now. So there's going to be a slide on the screen and you can give in any way uh, that is represented on there. I think if you even came and gave cash, we would safely deposit it somewhere and give it the appropriate amount of COVID secure time for the COVID to disappear. And then we'd count it and do all the things that we need to do. But I've got one little announcement to do today, um, which is exciting. Next weekend, we have a very exciting event happening. I am excited. You can hear the excitement in my voice about the Breathe Night In that's happening. We are going 90s theme. So it's going to be uh, a 90s theme event. Whatever that looks like, I don't know. You'll have to come along. So it's for any woman. You can still get yourself booked in. You have until Tuesday. We would encourage you because we can gather inside in groups of six now to get some, some of your friends around you and you can get yourself a pack where you can have all those things together, up to six of you in your house. And you've got until Tuesday to get yourself booked in for that. Tickets will stay open. It's a fully online event. We're going to be using a different platform than Zoom. It's called Brushfire, which we used before, which is fantastic. It's going to be a brilliant experience. Don't miss out on it. If you are, if you are a lady, in fact, to be honest, there will be men there. I'll probably be here in the room taking part in the event, even though I'm not a lady. So there you go. It's, it's open to all ladies and men that want to look over their partner's shoulders, their sister's shoulders, any female that they know, just, you know, not in a creepy way, but you can just join, join the event. So there you go. Well, today we have a uh, guest speaker with us, which we're excited about. The, the, the speaker for today is the man behind the idea of Bless. Him and his brother wrote this book that we've been going through, Dave Ferguson, and he is a fantastic communicator. We're excited for the message that he's going to be sharing through today. We are on the third letter, so we're on B-L-E. So we're looking at EAT today, and it's, it's exciting to be able to hear from him. It's a real privilege to have this man speak. He is a very uh, highly sought-after speaker. He's involved in many different aspects. He runs um, I don't know whether you'd call it a ministry, but he runs, he runs many different things. And we had the privilege of interviewing him a few weeks ago, which is available online on Facebook. We've cut it into three chunks, so you can watch that online. 
But right now, I'd love yourselves to get prepared. Let's engage in this as if it is, he's in here with us or he's at home with you. Let's give him a big round of applause as we invite Dave Ferguson to speak today. Here we go, Dave Ferguson. Hello, C3 Church family. It is good to be with you. Uh, my name is Dave Ferguson. And it is a privilege uh, to be with you this Sunday. And a big thank you to my friend, uh, Pastor Steve Campbell, uh, for the invitation and also for your, for your leadership. And uh, before I jump in, just a couple things. First, I am a fan of what you're doing there at C3. Um, I love your heart for both mission and multiplication. And it is a rare, rare church that gets both those things, mission and multiplication. And second, I have to say that I love the fact that you're wanting to bless your neighbors and try to change the world. Um, I had the privilege of uh, writing the book, uh, the Bless book, and I am so excited that you are joining this Bless, what really is a Bless movement. Now, uh, there are whole denominations that are using it as their evangelism strategy. There are whole cities that are rallying around this. I know in Austin, Texas, and I'll be there soon. Um, they actually have a vision for how they can bless all 2.5 million people in the Austin area between now and 2017. Uh, the book's coming out in Portuguese, so we'll be able to use the bless strategy also in, uh, in Brazil. And uh, I'm just thrilled that uh, you are rallying behind this and that you are wanting to bless your neighbors and also your part of the world. Uh, maybe a good place to start, though, is let's know a little bit of my story and kind of what's behind, for me, how I began to use these blessed practices that I'm sharing with you. Uh, when I first became a Christ follower, I mean, I was very, very excited about the love of God and the person of Jesus and how it changed my life. In fact, so excited, I wanted to share it with everyone. And I tried to. Um, unfortunately, I think I did it in a very obnoxious way, um, like street evangelism. Basically, I was kind of verbally assaulting complete strangers with the gospel. Um, I would go door to door, knocking on doors, they'd open the door, and if they would listen to me, I would share my story and try to share the gospel with them. Um, anyone and everyone. The problem was, I was answering questions that they weren't asking from a person that they didn't even know. And uh, to be honest, it totally did not work. So what I did, I decided, you know what, this obviously isn't working. Trying to share my testimony, being a witness, obviously doesn't work. So I kind of went the other extreme. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to live my life as close as I can to like Jesus and hope people notice. And so I did. And the people in my neighborhood and other people thought I was a good guy, thought I was a good neighbor. But the end result, no one came to know Jesus. And I just knew there had to be a better way. And by that point in time, I was a pastor, and I'm going like, I, not only did I know there had to be a better way for me to share the good news, but there also had to be a better way for the people in my church. And I was already familiar with, you know, God's blessing strategy in, in Genesis chapter 12, where God speaks to Abraham, and he tells Abraham, hey, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make your name great, and you'll be a blessing, and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. And so what he was saying is, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and then you're going to go out, and you're going to bless, essentially, your neighbors. And I got that. But I think the moment that moved me from kind of understanding that Genesis 12 blessing strategy to really being convicted about it and then starting to live it and then ultimately then get the chance to write the book and share it with people like you was when I ran across a, uh, a dissertation that was a part of a doctoral study. And it was simply titled this, 
blessers versus converters. Blessers versus converters. The, the, the study actually followed two teams of missionaries. They both went to Thailand. But they went to Thailand, these two teams, with two distinctly different missional strategies. Uh, the converters, they went with the sole intention of trying to convert people, to try to evangelize people, save souls. The blessers, on the other hand, they went with the intention of just blessing people. They said, wherever, wherever God sends us, wherever we go, we just want to be a blessing to people. They followed both teams for two years. And here's what they discovered. They discovered that the blessers, their presence in the community, created, created tremendous amounts of social capital, social good, made the community, the, the culture there better. The converters, almost no difference. The converters, almost no difference in the community. But the second thing, and this is the, very surprising, the blessers, actually had more conversions than the converters. The converters, after two years, only saw two people say yes to Jesus and become Christ followers. But the blessers, the blessers saw 100 people in two years say yes to Jesus and become Christ followers. 50 times as many as the converters. And so the bottom line on that study was the best way to accomplish the Jesus mission is to be a blesser. So with that, I began to look at the life of Jesus. And that's where what unfolded really out of the Gospels for me were, were these five kind of missional practices that Jesus used over and over again as a friend to bless people. And we took those five and we put them into a memorable acronym that simply spelled the word BLESS, B-L-E-S-S. And I want to give you those five simple practices. What I'll do is I'll give you the first two to remind you. I'm going to teach in the third one, and you'll get uh, four and five in uh, the rest of the series. So the first one, you've already learned this one, is B, begin with prayer. That's where Jesus began. He began with prayer. If you remember this, when Jesus started his public ministry, what was the first thing he did? He's got this big task ahead of him. He's supposed to start this movement that's going to change all of history, every human heart, potentially, if they'll accept it. Now, if I was coaching and we had a task that big, I'd be saying, okay, what we need, what we need, especially today, we need a, we need a, a robust digital platform. You know, Jesus, that, 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 that water to wine miracle? Let's see if we can capture that on TikTok. If we can capture it on TikTok, that'll go viral. Everybody will know about you. Or maybe some of that drop mic teaching that you did, you know, on the Sermon on the Mount. Let's capture some of that and we'll put it on Instagram Reels. Everybody will follow you then. No, that wasn't Jesus. What Jesus did, first thing he does is he begins with prayer. And I think that's what we ought to do. You have friends and you have neighbors that you would like to reach. Begin with prayer. Prayer is how you discover the mission, but prayer is also how you do the mission. Then the L. B, begin with prayer. L stands for listen. You read the Gospels, and Jesus was constantly, he was constantly asking questions. In fact, when he heals the blind man, go back and look at this. He actually pauses and says, do you want to be healed? He asks a question, and then he listens. He listens to the man. He gives him the dignity of responding, and then he heals him. Sadly, this is my perspective. I think most Christians are more known for their talking than our listening. And if we truly want to bless people around us, we first have to get to know them. And any relationship starts with listening. We have to listen to our neighbors. What are their real hopes? 
What, what, are, what are their dreams? What, what are the places of real hurt? What are the places of pain? And to truly listen to someone, maybe the greatest gift of love, the kindest gift of love that we could offer, and it's something we could all do. L is for listen. Now, that brings us to the E, which stands for eating, which um, uh, I think is my favorite of all five of these practices. One of the things that's really fun to look in the Gospels is that Jesus clearly recognized the importance of eating together. Let me ask you this. If you think about Jesus, and I was to ask you, um, what things were the highlights, were the important things, were the things that Jesus did during his time here on earth? What could come, could come to mind? And you think about different events in the Gospels. And you might say, oh, well, uh, teaching is something he did, and that was really important. Or healing was something he did. The miracles, that was really important. Or praying was something, like we talked about, that was something that he often got alone and prayed. Or on and on you might go. But did you ever notice that part of how Jesus saved the world was by eating? I'm sure I'm getting some amens right now. In, in fact, a lot of Jesus' ministry was centered, actually centered around meals. Just think about this. Maybe it never hit you before like this. He performed his first miracle at a wedding feast. He fed 5,000 people on a hill in the countryside. The night before his crucifixion, he ate a meal with his closest friends. After his resurrection, he shared breakfast on the beach with his disciples. See, see eating was a big deal in Jesus' culture. And as people who, you know, we kind of scarf down food and drive through, you know, restaurants quickly eating. We don't grasp how important it was back then. See, back then, when you ate with someone, it was like a statement. It was a statement you wanted to be associated with them. It was, it was like an affirmation of that person's value and dignity and worth when you ate with them. It was a statement that you cared about them, you loved them. It was also a statement that, yeah, you're a part, we're a part of the same social class. And see, when you understand that's what it was like in Jesus' time, that's why it was so outrageous to the religious leaders that Jesus frequently ate with the lowest and most despised people today. Because rabbis, Jesus was a rabbi, rabbis don't eat with people who are not a part of the good people group. One of the best examples uh, is Matthew. And it actually is recorded in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew was a tax collector. Remember that, he was a tax collector. And here's what it says in Matthew chapter nine. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Now when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus overheard him. On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. All right, so this is the scene. Jesus walking along. He sees a tax collector named Matthew at his tax collector booth. Jesus walks up to Matthew and he says these two life-changing words, come follow me. Give you a little context here. In Jesus' day, tax collectors were like considered kind of the scum of the earth. You know, in some ways, maybe like uh, we make jokes about lawyers. Well, back then they'd make jokes about tax collectors. See, tax collectors were the local lackeys of the Roman Empire. Uh, they made money by actually overcharging what taxes would do and then they'd keep the extra. And so, so, so for Jesus, 
to call one of the most despised, looked down upon guys to be one of his disciples was just this enormous shock. It was like scandalous to even consider it. So he calls Matthew, and, and notice what's the first thing he did with Matthew after Matthew says yes to his invitation. What he didn't do, he didn't enroll Matthew in a how to become a disciple class. He didn't get him started to read the Bible or into a Bible study. He didn't have him memorize scripture. And all those things are good things, good things, right? What's the first thing he does with Matthew? He goes over to Matthew's house and they eat. They eat together. And then who else does Jesus eat with? It says even more tax collectors along with a whole other group of people who are just kind of referred to as sinners. And it's worth noting that the, the term there, sinner, was actually a reference to anybody who's not religious, and, and particularly people who had an illicit lifestyle, but more specifically it could mean like prostitutes. So here's Jesus, this esteemed rabbi, right, eating with the most despised, looked down upon people of the day, the most socially unacceptable. And the leaders of the religious establishment, I mean, they were they thought this was absolutely shameful. In fact, the Pharisees were so offended, they actually go to the disciples and say, hey, why, 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 why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And the tension between Jesus and the Pharisees over who Jesus ate with, it wasn't just an isolated incident. So, so actually, another place, Jesus actually calls out their criticism in Luke chapter 7, verse 34 and 35. It says, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, he's actually quoting them back to himself, back to them, he says, here's a glutton, here's a drunkard, a friend of a tax collector and sinners. <laughs> but wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. Okay, Jesus wasn't a drunk. He wasn't a glutton. But you know what? He frequently ate with a lot of people who were. A lot of them. And what we see in Jesus' life is that eating, isn't that something? Eating was integral to his mission of seeking and saving the lost. He was like a missional eater. He blessed people by sharing meals with them. And here's the thing, yes, eating was a big, day, big deal in Jesus' culture. I think it's still a big deal in our culture today because that's where friendships are formed. That's where friendships are formed, around meals, around food, around drink. Author Henry Nouwen, he writes this, he says, when we invite friends for a meal, we do much more than offer them food for their bodies. No, we offer them friendship, fellowship, good conversation, intimacy, and closeness. And when we say, help yourself, take some more, don't be shy, have another glass, what we do is we offer our guests not only our food and drink, but also ourselves. And a spiritual bond grows, and we become food and drink for one another. When we eat together, we're doing more than simply sharing a meal. We're actually living on mission. Now, it seems simple, but the truth is it's difficult to do. And that's why so many of us, can I be honest with you? That's why so many of us have never seen a single person close to us come to know Jesus. I'm telling you, if you'll take these first three practices, begin with prayer, listen, and then eat with people. It could be life-changing. I want you to think about the people that God has placed in your life, people that he wants you, you specifically, to bless. Who are those people? It might be a neighbor. Good chance it is. It 
Might be a family member. Might be a coworker. Might be a friend, a friend you grew up with. It might also be a place. Maybe you're called to a particular place, like this apartment complex. I want to bless this apartment complex. Or this local school. Or this cafe. Or maybe it's an organization that you want to do your blessing through that focuses on the hungry or the marginalized or the hurting. Now, when we start thinking about blessing people or the places that God has called us to bless, it's easy to start thinking of excuses about how it's going to be hard to bless them, especially when it comes to eating. Excuses like, I don't like to have people in my house. I don't like to have people come inside my home. And maybe the reason you say that is because you don't really know how to cook. Well, if that's the case, let me respond quickly. Well, you don't have to invite them. What if you eat out? Or what if you carry in? <clears throat> and listen, it really doesn't have to be an eight-course meal. I mean, it could be something you open up a can. It could be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. See, it's not so much about what you're having. It's about with whom you're having it. Maybe it's even just as simple as a, a tea. Just take time for people and, and share that, that with them together. Maybe another excuse is, well, I wouldn't know what to say. I get this too. I understand this. Many of us are not used to entertaining guests. We're going like, I don't know. I don't know how the evening go, and I don't know what I'd talk about. Well, let me encourage you with this. Eating provides a great context for you to live out the last practice you learned, and that's listening. Instead of worrying about what you're going to say, what if you focused on listening to them and what they have to say? So instead, come up with a list of questions. Like, hey, where did you grow up? How about, uh, what was your family like? Um, if there's a couple, it's always a good question. Say, hey, tell us how you met. Tell us how you met and how you got engaged. Um, ask about the jobs they've had in their careers. Ask what do they do for fun. Ask about their dreams for the future. See, instead of worrying about having the perfect thing to say, focus on listening. Focus on listening. And here's the third excuse. And this may be the biggest one of them all. Um, I just don't have the time. And some of you are going like, I, I barely have time to eat with my own family, let alone other people. And I know this could be hard. But here's, I want you to think of it this way, okay? We already have, and this is what I love about the blessed practices. They're not something you add to your schedule. They're already in your schedule. You already have locked in your schedule times you're going to eat. You're going to eat, right? And probably most of us are going to eat three times a day. And with three times a day, that means 21 times a week. What if you just found one or two of those, one or two of those times every single week for missional eating? You're going to include somebody else. And that, doesn't, that, and that doesn't include times when you could go out for dessert or you could go out for coffee or go out for tea or have them in for those things. I want you to picture, picture a moment where a world has people all gathered together in different places around the world, sitting, talking, listening, connecting together around a meal. It's not a bad picture. In fact, I think it's a picture that God loves. So intentionally, intentionally say, okay, what are one or two of those meals every week that I could use for missional eating? I, I, I love what Alan Hirsch and Lance Ford say in their book, Right Here, Right Now. They say this, sharing meals together on a regular basis is one of the most sacred practices we can engage in as believers. 
They go on. They say, missional hospitality is a tremendous opportunity to extend the kingdom of God. We can literally eat our way into the kingdom of God. If every Christian household would regularly invite a stranger or a poor person in their home for a meal just once a week, we could literally change the world by eating. Come on, that, that's good news right there. Changing the world by eating. I want to tell you a story uh, about a friend of mine named Michael, and it really was. It was around a shared meal that uh, we got to see life change. Um, I remember the first time that church even came up with my friend Michael. He told me he was mad at God. He thought church was just BS. Um, there's a story behind that. Michael's story, he grew up in an abusive home. Uh, he moved out when he was 15 years old. He did finish high school on his own. Actually made his way to um, college on his own. Became a very successful college track and field athlete. <clears throat> and um, eventually married a beautiful wife and then started his own company. He was president of his own company and, and did very well for himself. Now when I got to know Michael, it was because both our boys uh, were running track and field and uh, cross country in high school. I'll never forget the moment though that he told me this, and it was actually over a meal. He said, Dave, for 20 years, I felt like I've had the burden of not just living one life, but living two lives. Dave, for 20 years, I felt the burden of not just living one life, but that I had to live two lives. The backstory, when Michael uh, was in grad school, him and his best friend Jay went for a drive. Michael had been the best man in Jay's wedding, and Michael hoped that Jay would be the best man at his wedding because he was going to be engaged, or he was engaged, was going to be married soon. And Michael said, Jay, Jay was just a terrific human being, very spiritual, very moral, the kind of guy he'd like to be like. <clears throat> they went out for a drive, and they got in a car accident. Uh, Michael survived. Michael's best friend, Jay, did not. And he watched him die in the car. Michael was actually found negligent. And Jane's, Jay's parents held him accountable. And so for the next two decades, every day he lived with that guilt and that shame. He eventually moved away from Southern California. And he never told anybody, anybody the story ever again. But he continued to live with that burden. And so I began to use the blessed practices with Michael. Um, this, this is my journal. And so every day in the journal I write, my journal, I write the, word, uh, write the word bless right down here at the bottom. And I'll write the names of eight people on it. And for three years, uh, Michael's name was one of the names in my journal. Every day I'd pray for Michael. Um, so that's B, begin with prayer. Both our boys ran uh, cross country and track. Our teams did really well, so we got to celebrate that. We got to hang out together. We got to know each other. I got to listen to him. And uh, uh, we'd talk about that and talk about other things. Sometimes the, we'd travel out of town, but we really got to know each other. Well, when the conversation turned towards spiritual things, it was actually Michael's idea. He said, hey, we should, we should get together for breakfast sometime. And we started this routine, right, of eating together, going out to breakfast. Sometimes we'd go to a different restaurant because he'd have a different restaurant he wanted to show me that like, he really liked. But I remember it was at a restaurant it was actually the 20th anniversary. And Michael brought it up. He said, hey, Dave, it was 20 years ago today. And this is where he told me for the first time 
the story about how he killed his friend Jay. And he went on to explain, for 20 years I felt like I not only had to live one life, but I had to live two lives, one for me and one for my friend Jay. And how this burden, this guilt, and this shame was just crushing him. And it was there at that breakfast table that I got to share with my friend, Michael, that he could find forgiveness in Jesus. And not just forgiveness, but also redemption. That, that if he would give Jesus this story, that he could even potentially use it for great good. And I got to, that day, see my friend Michael say yes to Jesus. And I got to baptize my friend, Michael. And you know what? I want that for you. I want that for every one of you. And one of the best ways, one of the best places for it to happen is around a meal. Around a meal. Let's pray. Father God, I want to say thanks that when you showed up on planet Earth in the person of Jesus, you did it in a way that gave us a model for how to live, for how to love our neighbors. And it really included very practical things like sharing meals. Thank you for your example. Give us the courage, give us the courage to follow your example so that we can love our neighbors, better love our neighbors, and change our world. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want that in my life. <laughs> I want that experience in my life. And I'm sure many of you want that experience in your life as well. I wonder who is sat here right now with someone in their head. Who are you going to bless? Who are you going to begin to pray for? Who are you going to listen to? But this week we're talking about who you're going to eat with. Who could you take that step and invite them over? Come hang out. It's summer. You're able to do that now. Have a barbecue. Who are you going to invite over? Maybe go to Starbucks or whatever other coffee shop you want to choose. Who are you going to eat with? Who are you going to begin to listen to and to spend that time with? I want to challenge us today that every single person sh sh shouldn't leave this room or whatever room you're in without having someone in mind who that they can begin to pray for, that they can listen to and that they can eat with today. I want to find someone that I can begin this practice with because Yes, we can pray for people. Yes, it is really important. But let's move along the, along the journey of the letters as well. Hey, and if, if you're in the room or if you're watching right now, we want to facilitate a moment right now. If you are hearing about this message that we're talking about, we're talking about Jesus, that we want people to know the good news that we've got to share, that he came, that he died that he didn't stay there, that he resurrected, he came back again. And he wants relationship with you. Then we're going to facilitate a moment right now where people can respond. If you want to come back to Jesus, if you say, hey, I used to be a Christ follower, I used to be a Christian, but I've slipped away and I no longer do the things that I used to do. Or if you want to say for the first time today, I want to become a Christian, then 
I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment's time and I would love every single person that can hear my voice to repeat it back to me. And then at the end I'm going to invite you to raise your hand or just simply say yes if you're watching online as a sign, as a way of saying yes I'm stepping into faith today. Because what we want to do is we want to do the journey with you. We want to hear the story of how Jesus has changed and transforms your life. Because when someone makes that decision, we believe that it is an incredible, life-changing moment that we want to celebrate. So with every eye closed across the room and every head bowed, I encourage you, I'm going to pray this prayer and then I'd love for you to respond if you made that commitment today. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came down to earth, that you lived a blameless life, that you took upon my sin and my shame, my wrongdoing, and that you died on the cross, you defeated death, and you rose again. I choose to live in relationship with you today. I want to make you the Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if anyone made that decision right now, just with me looking, then I'd love for you to raise your hand in this room, or if you're watching online, please do. Let us know in the comments by saying yes. We believe that this is the best decision that you can possibly ever make. We never want to do a single service without facilitating a moment for people to respond. God is good. the time God is good well if anyone made a decision right then then we would love to hear about it you can grab yourself a free Bible if you're here we, we, can, we would love to chat to you if you made that decision online today but right now we're going to move on to our final song for the service and I would encourage you take a moment during this song to think who is that person God dropped someone in my heart in my mind that I could begin to eat with, begin to share my story, begin to share God's story with people and begin to listen to. So well, I'd encourage you, why don't we all stand wherever we're watching from today as the band leaders in a final song. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.